Welcome to Test Rack Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm going to be your host today. Test Rack's mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. Today, we talked with our senior enlisted leader here at Tesseract, Chief Master Sergeant Tim Jordan. We talked through our theory of constraint strategy here at Tesseract. All right, here we go. You are an integral part of Tesseract's TOC initiative. You've been on the front lines uh, working with maintainers, with logisticians, helping them understand the concepts of the theory of constraints. And we have been, we as in Tesseract, uh, has been center stage with theory of constraints in the maintenance and logistics world. And, and we're continuing to expand that influence. What is Tesseract's business model to scale the theory of constraints across the Air Force? That's a that's a good question. Yeah, you're right. So we, we've been out here... Uh, for about a year now, a little bit longer, pushing theory of constraints uh, to anybody that will listen, really. Um, and the the biggest way we have been able to do that is go out to the bases and talk to the to the actual field units and teach them the theory of constraints uh, tools. So what we do is we we call that uh, uh, generation, and that's how we really look at pushing that work out to the to the Air Force. Um, but we know that that's not the only way to get theory of constraints out there and make it stick. You know, we want to we want to create an enterprise uh, level change uh, with the implementation of theory of constraints. So we we have to approach that from from more than just one line of effort. So our business model is that generation piece, as I spoke to, but we also have an educational piece and a communication piece. Uh, so it's like a like a three tiered tripod, you know. <laughs> Uh, so what we what we do is with the with the educational piece, we want to go ahead and, and and give opportunities for education of theory of constraints um, to as many oper- you know as many uh, places in the Air Force as we can. So we we currently have uh, TOC education happening within uh, officer training, you know, for like AMOC and you know uh, all these other courses out there. Uh, we have AMOS. Um, We've uh, got three different classes all offered by uh, AFIT, and anybody in the Air Force can sign up for those classes. It's not just like a, a maintenance and logistics level class. Anybody any uh, anybody in the Air Force can sign up for those, and, and we really want to continue to develop that. We have uh, talks in work right now to try to get theory of constraints uh, education in the production super and expediter courses. Um, that'll be taught through ACC or AMC, um, hopefully uh, ATC in the future. And and we just keep looking for different ways to to spread the the good word of, of TOC. Just to loop in our listeners with some of those acronyms. So, you know, uh, AMOC, AFLOS, all of those are like officer schools, right? So like you have the, you know, Air Force maintenance officer course, you have the Air Force logistics officer school, you know, all of these are initial training courses, you know, for the officer corps, right? And we are continuing to expand uh, to enlisted courses as well. Uh, We actually had some integration 
at the Pro Super Course uh, up in New Jersey, and uh, and we're talking about working with the curriculum and, and expanding the goodness of, of the theory of constraints. So uh, I don't want to get any listeners uh, lost with, with some of the acronyms, but uh, I know sometimes we, we all get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, with, you it know. rolls off the tongue too easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's really um, where our mind's at for the educational piece. Um, and then for the communication piece, we just want to be able to share all the, the awesomeness that is theory of constraints. So um, every every time we go to a base, we want to turn that base into a case study. And with those case studies, we want to take all those lessons learned, all those barriers of of uh, of implementation, all those difficulties in, in creating change, the organizational change, and we want to showcase those. You know, how difficult was it to implement theory constraints? So another base that, that wants to start that journey can learn from, from somebody else. Instead of having to, you know, go through the same struggles, we can all learn from each other and make it easier as we go. So hopefully we streamline that with, with sharing that information. And with our communication piece, we are also developing uh, playbooks. So currently right now, we've only got the uh, aircraft maintenance playbook. But um, theory of constraints touches so many more uh, uh areas across the logistics enterprise than just aircraft maintenance so um, we've had events and i think we'll go into it a little bit later more in depth but we've talked to vehicle maintenance organizations and helped them improve their throughput of, of and backlog of, of broken vehicles um, we've helped uh, uh, supply chain with uh, unlocking uh, potential within their uh, their breadth of of stockage levels uh, utilizing theory of constraints, we're now addressing um, the IDRC deployment processes to streamline that, uh, utilizing theory of constraints. So what we want to do is we want to take all those lessons learned and create playbooks so other organizations that are that are similar scope can learn from what's already been done. And, and that's really, uh, we believe that those are the three main areas, the generation, education, and communication is, is the way to really get theory of constraints totally ingrained into the uh, logistics enterprise and for uh, it to be the most successful. So um, what we don't want to see is somebody doing TOC because they have to do it. We want them to do TOC because that's the right way of doing maintenance. You know, this, this, the ability to unlock potential, the uh, ability to utilize the resources to their maximum without running your people into the ground is, is where we need to be at. So uh, utilizing theory of constraints is the way to, to make that happen. And, once these success stories start getting out and become common knowledge, I think you're going to see a, a huge appetite across the entire enterprise where, where people are just going to be, you know, give me some of that. <laughs> the theory of constraints is the premier tool to leverage if you have, want to use the same resources and get more of an outcome, get more throughput. Um, you know, we're not asking people to do more with less, right? You're going to be doing the more, you know, more with the same, um, you know, looking at generate, educate, communicate, you know, as a flywheel, right? Um, you know, if we generate results and educate people at the tactical level and we educate those individuals or let me actually break, break. If we generate results at the tactical level, then we're going to continue to build um, a plethora of case studies to work with to educate the rest of the force, right? To continue to build credibility. Now, if we're able to then communicate those results to the rest of the enterprise, the rest of the Air Force, um, then 
that's going to spark further generation, right? Absolutely. And I, and I want to go back to one thing you just mentioned, uh, the, the, the doing more with the same. It, it's not, yes, yes, we are going to do more with the same amount of resources and people, but those same amount of resources and people don't need to be stretched thinner or harder than they currently are working. Um, in fact, they should, they should have it a little bit easier and still get more done. And, and it doesn't really make sense. It's kind of like counterintuitive to, you know, how are we going to be doing more? And I'm already working really hard. You know, I'm keeping my head barely above water. How am I, how am I supposed to do more with, with no more resources and no more people? It's because we're trying to do everything at once. You know, the, the ability to, to focus on what's important is, is very, um, sometimes diluted with the amount of work that we're trying to do with the same amount of resources. So when we utilize theory of constraints and organizations really identify what's important to their mission and that's the effort and that's where the all the effort is applied towards, you realize that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're doing that isn't important and that can wait until later or wait until we have additional bandwidth or wait until the mission's actually accomplished before we start knocking out those smaller tasks. And focusing on what's really important, the real goal of the organization, unlocks that untapped potential that every organization has. And what it does is it probably, uh, it's probably what's been going on in the minds of the airmen for you know years. Like, why don't we just do this? This is what's important. Um, but they're getting yanked in three or four different directions, and and you know struggling to to meet everybody's needs. If we just focus on what's the the organization's need, what's the goal of the entire team. Uh, that's when we become the most successful that we can be. And you've deployed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So being in a deployed environment, I mean, you just described it, you know, perfectly. You have a priority. You have a mission. You have a sense of purpose. Everyone is unified across all levels of the organization, up, down, side to side. If there's a jet that needs to go in the sky, that is you know, that that's going to be the element that you're going to focus and finish on. Everyone is unified in effort to, you know, to get after it and uh, to, you know, th they see the constraint and they go through, you know, the five focusing steps without even realizing it. Right. No. So you make a really good point with with the deployment stuff. Everybody always asks for theory of constraints. Um, yeah, this works fine and well at, you know, uh, base when we're doing training sorties. But when we deploy, how how can we utilize three constraints or do you throw it out the window? And and it's it's really so simple is when we deploy, we actually just go into utilizing theory of constraints without knowing the names. Right. Whenever we go to a deployment or a TDY, um, all the team is working together for the sake of the aircraft. Right. So if you have one aircraft broke or a couple aircraft broke, uh, nobody's really sitting inside. Uh, you know, twiddling their thumbs, playing cards. Everybody's out there working on that one aircraft, even if it's not your AFSC or your specialty. You know, somebody can lend a hand because you're all in it together and it's a big team concept. Um, and that's really pooling resources when you bring all those bodies together. Uh, you're also focusing on what's important. So usually when you deploy, at least for fighter aircraft, you take, you know, a smaller contingency, you take a 12 ship or something like that. So you got a 12 ship, you're probably flying anywhere from eight to 10 of them a day. And then you have a couple aircraft for spares or they're broke. When the broke jets are there, everybody's working on the broke jets. So you're lowering your whip because you have a smaller number of aircraft to focus on. Uh, so you're reducing your work in process. All of those things are theory constraints, tools or, or methods. And we don't have the terms associated to them. It's just how we do business downrange. 
and a lot of people complain because like, hey, we're so effective downrange. Why aren't we so effective when we come back to home station? And it's because we go back to our silos. We go back to, you know, oh, that's a, a weapons job. That's a crew chief job. I'm not going to do that. That's not my job, you know, and we really don't help each other out. You know, a lot of it is, you know, um, people have families and people have appointments and people, you know, can do all those other things that we don't do while we're TDY or deployed. But that's a small piece. It's it's really all about the the way that we function when we're at work. It's and it's, it is a cultural piece. So utilizing theory of constraints kind of takes us back to that mentality of when we're downrange and we really focus on what's important. We don't really focus on, on you know, all the other little things that, that don't contribute to mission effectiveness. And what it does is it gives a lot more space back to people, you know, so we can uh, have those uh, assets available when we need them. Because the only thing that really matters is, is mission accomplishment. And when you start focusing on that, now you're able to take care of your airmen. Now you're able to to give that time off to somebody that's really been that working really hard and that deserves it. You know, those cutbacks and those those recognitions, those attaboys, things like that. So when when we see theory constraints really effectively being utilized, you see a, a morale increase in the organization as a whole because the airmen are not getting, you know, spread thin by being moved from job to job as priorities change and they're able to focus and finish. Um, if you have more people working on less work, you now have the ability to train more effectively. So now uh, education and, and proficiencies are increasing. So all that does is results in less mistakes being made on the flight line. So now there's less re rework happening. Uh, and, and it's just it's just when mistakes are not being made, you're doing it right the first time, and it's going to be effective. Everybody's learning from it, and you're going to have less makeup work to do, and that gives more time back to airmen. So it, it all helps itself out in, in the end. So your 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 example of, of, of deployment is, is spot on. That's what theory of constraints is in, in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, let's go back to, to the business model. Uh, and let's, let's talk about really how this, this mindset has started to resonate across the Air Force. Um, you know, we have, you know, a contracted relationship with Goldrat Consulting and they've initiated projects across the enterprise and we've seen some amazing results. Uh, do you want to dive into that relationship a little bit and, um, you know, some of the results that, that we've seen and, and how we work with Goldrack Consulting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so Goldrack Consulting um, are the experts, right? So uh, they, they are the the uh, consulting group that the Air Force has tapped to to bring theory constraints to, to the enterprise. Um, and they've, they've been working with us for about two to three years now um, on multiple different subjects and they've they've been successful at every opportunity that they've they've been given um so uh they they assist us in our generation focused area that's that's really where we uh, utilize gold rat and uh, they started with three bases um they were the test bed just to make sure that theory constraints can actually be applied to the flight line and be successful and the way that they picked those three bases was, was really smart. They took three different styles of aircraft. So they took F-16s at Shaw. They took uh, uh, B-1s at Ellsworth. And they took uh, KC-135s at um, Fairchild. And what they did was they uh, applied their constraints to each of their specific, you know, 
we call them burning platforms, but you know, trouble area pain points at each location, and really address the you know high ops tempo of Shaw or the uh, massive amount of aircraft but low amount of manning at, at Fairchild and the aging and difficultily maintained B1 fleet at Ellsworth and and theory of constraints was applied in each one of those things in different ways, um, but successful at each one at each one of those locations. And right there, they were like, you know what, this this works. Uh, so the the contract was extended, and a whole bunch more bases were were included in there, and, and it's and it's been successful um, uh, time after time. And really, they were they were brought in to address flight line maintenance. Uh, but because the logistics enterprise is more than just flight line maintenance, uh, Goldrat has gotten involved with with many different areas. Um, they're working with uh, the SCOS, where they're are really addressing uh, supply chain. Uh, issues where they're going after KC-135 consumable parts. Uh, they identified that there was uh, um, not enough money for all the parts that we need. You know, imagine that. So uh, what they did was they identified, like, there was there was many consumable parts, XB3 stuff, that were ordered that we, we bought in uh, bulk. So we had a huge excess. Uh, so what they did was they limited the amount of bulk we bought and said with that extra money that we're not spending on, you know, excess parts. Let's utilize that to buy parts that we don't have any of, um, and maybe just buy one or two. And these are consumables. These are like you know nuts, bolts, screws, seals, things like that. And because um, we grew the breadth of the amount of parts that are out there, um, whenever those parts did need to be utilized, we didn't have to go my cap for them because they existed. Uh, and all that does is is result in a higher MC rates, higher av aircraft availability at the actual field units. So just small changes, utilizing theory of constraints uh, can result, you know, it could, it could be like a ripple effect where, you know, all the different, you know, a small change at like a central location that manages parts can, can ripple throughout the entire rest of the Air Force, you know, and, and because KC-135 aircraft availability is increased, now you have the ability to do more aircraft movements and now global reaches is, is being achieved because now we have that, you know, ability to refuel anywhere. So um, the... Our partners at Gold Rat have been so instrumental in changing the way we look at, at what we what is capable, um, and and really helped establish theory constraints um, for our team as a whole. Because you know we are all all of our facilitators on the test rack team were educated via uh, theory uh, theory constraints uh, trainers at Gold Rat. So um, we're essentially you know doing the, the good work that they're doing, uh, but now for the Air Force. I think it's really cool seeing them in action. Oh, you know? it's insane. Yeah, they're I've, so good. I've personally been on a couple of events. Um, I, th I think what's what's really neat about how, how they approach things is they're very data-driven, right? So what they do is they um, reach out to an organization, they start interviewing people, and they just, they just want to know their sponges. They just want to soak up as much as they can understand. And they get all the data, and they, and they look at it in a – in a new lens because they, we, you know, we come up through aircraft maintenance and we're taught to, you know, follow certain metrics and these metrics mean your aircraft are replying, you know, um, flying a certain way or reacting to the, to the management a certain way. Um, you know, when your, when your can rate goes up, you know, does your S rate go down, you know, like things, things change and they, they affect each other. Um, but these, these, this third party consultants come in with a, with a fresh set of eyes, um, and a whole bunch of experience. And they're able to show us our statistics through different lens, right? And and they're able to say, yeah, you know, you have, let's say, a phase aircraft or an ISO aircraft that, 
you know, you roll on time, you know, it's supposed to be down 20 days and it rolled on its 20th day. You're being successful. Everybody in the phase doc or the ISO doc is high fiving each other. Hey, we got it out on time. We did exactly what our job needs to do. Um, but what we're not looking at is that jet when it rolls out of phase or ISO needs sheet metal work. And yeah, the ISO inspection is done or the phase is done, but now it's got to go to the fuel barn and the aircraft's not airworthy because there's additional maintenance that was identified at the inspection cycle that keeps that downtime. Well, what happens is we roll the next aircraft into the phaser ISO dock, and now we're down two aircraft when we should be down one. And when we look at our statistics, we would say, hey, we only have one phaser ISO aircraft at a time. We're, we're doing it well. But in actuality, they're piling up in a back shop somewhere, waiting on fuel barn, or, or even fuel barn could be a constraint where uh, hangar space is an issue. So now one's waiting outside of fuel barn, waiting to get in because the last one's still in there because a parts my cap for a fuel cell. You know, so... When we start looking at things like a little bit further back, we're like, oh, man, we're we're doing this to ourselves or or we didn't set ourselves up for success. How can we change the way that we do business? And those gold rack consultants, they they help us look at the same data. We have the same information, um, but just through a different way. So I think when they explain things, it helps not just like the the airmen buy in, but it helps like squadron and, and group commanders buy in. And, and I think that's that's key because. You can't have a successful theory constraints event without your leadership uh, buying in to to the, making that change a reality. It's encouraging to see that you know leaders at such high levels are willing to take the leap. Yeah, so uh, I, I had the opportunity to go out to McConnell Air Force Base and watch Goldrack consultants uh, do their thing out there, and, and they were excellent. Um, so the, the maintenance group there, you know, went in with an open mind. We're like, Hey, you know, we're ready to learn. We're ready to try, try this stuff out. One of the, uh, TOC tools that they implemented there was bundling. Uh, so they, what they did was they take, uh, schedule maintenance tasks, small schedule maintenance tasks, and they looked forward about, you know, 30, 45 days in the future. And they said, okay, we're going to hold the aircraft down for one day, but we're going to do the next 30 to 45 days worth of schedule maintenance tasks all within a two shift operation. And, um, if we, if we get as many as we can done in those two shifts, we're going to be successful. So what that did was they started essentially cleaning off the white space uh, of that aircraft, making it available for flying the entire, uh, 30 days or 45 days after the bundle inspection was complied with. Um, and that was just, that was just to help them manage their, their whip. Well, what happened was uh, McConnell is a KC-135 base, and we are always deploying KC-135s to the desert, swapping out iron. Well, they went ahead and were doing their uh, regular deployment prep, so they went ahead and prepped their, I don't know, however many aircraft, 10 aircraft for deployment. And at the same time, the uh, the uh, people movement out of uh, Afghanistan started up around the same time for the refugees. So they went ahead and were tasked for another additional four aircraft. Uh if you are preparing your fleet to deploy, all of your resources are usually applied to that effort. And for higher headquarters to come out and say, we need to t give you an additional tasking on top of that, would usually send a group into a, a spiral where this just the amount of work is, is difficult. Your, your people already are sprinting. You know, you can't pull over any further type stuff. Um, but because of the bundling, and because of the preparations that that organization was already going through, they were like, yeah, no problem. Bring the next four aircraft that were bundled last and add them to the list. And it was done. The aircraft prep was done. It was it was as simple as, 
as, okay, let's go to our sheet. We're already preparing for this. And, and because they applied theory constraints earlier in, in the year, they were set up in a, in a perfect place to accept an additional tasking without any additional hard work by their, by their airmen because they have already done it. They already leaned forward and they were already prepared for it. They weren't expecting that. That, that was just a byproduct of, of good you know, preparation. So I think it's a huge win right there, and I think a lot of other organizations can can learn from that, you know, because uh, tasking, you know, we, we are, the mission matters. The mission comes first, and we need to make sure that we're available to be, you know, deployed worldwide at any given notice. Uh, so when you utilize theory of constraints, you're already in a perpetual state of leaning forward. Like, you're, you're just going to be that much more successful. So I, I think that's a huge, like, victory story for what theory of constraints can do. And that was all because of the the efforts that uh, Glorac Consultant did with working with uh, McConnell. And these wins have sparked organic initiatives. Uh, leaders, you know, independently across, you know, across the Air Force have taken on theory of constraints initiatives. Uh, you want to talk about, you know, one of those or a few of those and, uh, and how leaders are getting after it, you know, without Goldrack Consulting, you know, being at their side. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll speak from experience, right? So um, I was, you know, as I told you all in the beginning, stationed at Kadena previously. Uh, but the last time I was there, um, we were not utilizing theory of constraints at the time. Uh, we were not doing very well. Our aircraft availability was, you know, 50%, if, if that. Um, we were struggling with the F-15 fleet there of, you know, um, 27 aircraft in an AMU, we were barely making a six turn four on a daily basis. That was difficult for us. Um, and we we're working through a lot of issues. Um, and we were like, you know, something needs to change here. And we, we had a, a meeting with our group commander. It was a uh, Colonel Bill Ray. And, uh, they were like, you know what, this is a problem for you guys to solve. Let me know how you guys are going to solve it. And, I'm going to hold you accountable to what you decide, but I'm not going to micromanage your solution, which was really refreshing and inspiring. And um, empowering. So, super empowering. Um, you know, usually it's, it's the opposite. When things are going bad, usually your leaders step in and start, you know, micromanaging or, or taking the ability to make decisions away from you. And, and it was the complete opposite, you know? So we felt that we had room to breathe and room to make decisions. And, um, we looked at what we could do. So, um, the, uh, OPSO at the time, uh, major Alex Pagano, who's, uh, been on your podcast in the past. I, I heard, <laughs> uh, and myself, we, we sat down in an office and we were talking about how do we, how do we become better? And, uh, theory of constraints got brought up. Um, we looked at what Shaw Air Force Base was doing because that was a gold rack, you know, location. And we said, hey, can we see your homework real quick? <laughs> uh, we looked at their their slideshows about what they were using theory constraints to get after. And we said, hey, if they're they're an F-16 base, we're an F-15 base. Fighters are fighters. I, I think we can we can get pretty close with what they're doing if we apply it over here. If we figure it out what they're doing and really apply it over here, I think we can be successful. So uh, it started out with education. You know, we sat down with, with Colonel Ray. He, he led this uh, leadership group uh, where... We, you know, we called it book club where, where it was, uh, every month we'd get a new book and we'd go over it as a, as the entire maintenance group. So all the maintenance officers and some of the senior enlisted would get together and, um, 
we discuss, you know, books and leadership stuff. And, and the book at the time was the goal. So the entire maintenance group read the goal. We were all on a, a TOC high and we were like, yo, we're, we're going to, we're going to really do this right now. So we went ahead and, uh, and we trained our forces. We, uh, talked through, this is how we're going to implement theory of constraints. Uh, it can be a lot or it can be a little, and we started out small. We were like, okay, we're just going to reduce our whip. And we were like, okay, what does that mean? And we said, we're currently working, you know, seven aircraft at a time. We're just going to pick a number and that number is going to be three. And maybe three was the wrong number. Maybe three was the right number, but we're going to start there and we'll adjust when we find out if it's the right or wrong number. And, um, and it was pretty close, you know, so it, sometimes it went to four, sometimes it went to two, depending on manning and, and resources. But, uh, we stayed around three for a while. And the, and the cool, the cool thing was, was the results were instantaneous. Uh, we, it, it doesn't make sense really when you think about it up front where you're like, Hey, I'm going to work on less stuff. Um, in your, in your mind, you're like, okay, everything's going to pile up in the broke column and you're, and you're just never going to be able to get through it. Cause it's just going to keep adding to it. But when your resources are only dedicated to three aircraft, everybody like the deployment talk, right? Everybody's on the same page. We're all working together. Those aircraft got fixed way faster than the original ETECs were. So what we thought was going to take eight hours started taking four hours and two hours. So we were able to get through that backlog of broke aircraft pretty quickly by only focusing on three aircraft at a time, but focusing on it with all of our effort. We were all in on three airplanes. So that right there uh, made it uh, super effective. And um, we parlayed that into a uh, an exercise that we had, So um, or a surge. So we had this uh, massive surge. And because of the, you know, COVID and because of uh, um, TDYs and typhoons and everything else that happens over to, to Gadina, um, a lot of the calendar space got eaten up uh, pretty quickly. And we had two different AMUs supposed to surge at two different weeks. And because of all those external factors, they ended up having to get reshuffled to the same week. So that was uh, 53 aircraft all trying to surge within the same week at the same time with the same airspace. And that became a logistical nightmare to try to manage that much aircraft uh, to include like POL resources and, and things like that. So uh, we utilized theory of constraints. We we're like, hey, let's look at theory of constraints and how can we manage the flow of aircraft around the flight line? And we developed uh, like a gate system where aircraft would land. They would go through this, you know, shutdown procedures, which would be a gate. Then they would be released into a quite a long taxi ride, which was buffer, you know, physical buffer uh, that we created. And then they would go to a cursory area where they would have their engines shut um, uh, shut down and and prepped for, uh, you know, receiving fuel. Then we would release them to the hot pits where they would get refueled. We would release them to a different area that they had to taxi to. So we added more buffer and then those aircraft would get restarted and then they would taxi to the EOR and take back off for the next sortie. We had that working like clockwork. And at the end of the, the surge, which was scheduled for four days, but started a little late due to uh, external factors, it was about a three and a half day surge. And we broke the record for F-15. It was like 437 sorties in three and a half days, an insane amount. Um, but the greatest piece of that whole puzzle was at the end of that week where we flew uh, a record number of sorties, um, there was no weekend duty because we were able to fix them just as fast as we were able to fly them. And everybody had a great weekend off to celebrate that huge win. And it, it just shows the unlocked potential of that theory. Constraint. Like we were coming from barely flying six fours to breaking surge records within a few months just by applying theory constraints.
And that was all done at the grassroots effort. You know, uh, we didn't have any trained consultants come out. We, we took their homework, but you know, uh, here at Tesseract, we've taken everybody's homework and we put them in these playbooks and we're able to share the homework with whoever needs it. So uh, any base that's out there, any location can pick up any of these resources that we have available and teach themselves, use Tesseract as a resource, you know, train their people with AFIT, train their people with Tesseract or, you know, reach out to us to have us come out and kind of facilitate the TOC education and and they can all be equally as successful with their own grassroots effort. Mm-hmm. What is Slingshot? And how can airmen and units get involved with a Slingshot effort? Oh, yeah. So because of the success at Kadena, uh, Major Pagano, Colonel Ray did not want to keep that goodness for themselves. And they wanted to be able to scale it to the rest of the Air Force. And they wanted to go and educate other bases on theory of constraints so they developed project slingshot uh project slingshot was uh, such a great idea and was difficult for one base to maintain uh because they had you know their current mission that they were trying to fly so what we did was uh, we took that great idea from the field that innovation that we have from our airmen and we took that on at tesseract and that's our biggest uh push for local organic toc efforts uh, so if a, if a unit is interested in what a slingshot is, it's where our TOC trained facilitators from Tesseract uh, will engage with the unit and provide education. Uh, we can do that virtually because we're in a COVID world <laughs> and uh, we've gotten pretty good at, at doing the, the Zoom stuff. Um, and we can provide education of, of how to facilitate and we can just teach the tools for an organization that kind of already has like a loose understanding of what theory constraints is. Maybe they've been through some of the courses that existed. Maybe they have a couple Amos patches out there at their bases that they can uh, lean on, or maybe they've got some recent, you know, AMOC graduates and they can really take what they already have that base knowledge of theory constraints and the tools that we can teach them and then develop their own effort. Um, or they can reach out and have us come out to those locations and facilitate on the ground. So we can take a couple uh, trained TOC facilitators from Tesseract. We can go out to those locations and we can work them through our entire slingshot uh, week long course. So that's uh, essentially two days of TOC education where we go over everything from like what theory of constraints is, uh, the tools that really work for aircraft maintenance or logistics or whatever, you know, uh, locations uh, constraints are. And then after those two days of educating the force, uh, we look at really developing solutions and how to implement those solutions locally. And then at the end of the entire course, we have the team that we work with outbrief their group commanders to let them know that this is what they've discovered and what they've learned. This is the tools that they are going to apply utilizing theory of constraints. This is the timeline of expectations that the group commander can expect, and this is how they're going to move out on it. So essentially, they develop their own plan to make themselves successful utilizing the tools that we've taught. And and the, the reason why we want to make sure that we go to each location is because every base has got their own challenges. They've got their own constraints. They've got their own uh, resourcing issues. And we want to make sure that they develop their own uh, ways of, of you know digging out of that hole, um, utilizing theory of constraints, as opposed to giving them a cookie cutter, you know, it, uh, ways of doing business and there 
there are benefits to to both approaches, right? You know, I think right now we are at the beginning of our journey, as you know, General Hurry has said, with theory of constraints. You know, even though we're you know a few years down the line, we need to consider that there are a lot of case studies to be written. There's a lot of like less there there are a lot of lessons to be learned and put down on paper. Um, so we can continue to put this in the Air Force context, right? Um, and and continue to take that generate, educate, communicate, right? You know, approach, and uh, you know, just to tie in that that business model again. Um, if we just focused on solely generating and looking at the numbers and not reflecting on how we got there and not educating the rest of the force on, you know, on those lessons learned. That's just my two cents there. No, your two cents is spot on. So sustainment is the hardest part of, of theory constraints. Um, and just like you said, it's it's pretty personality-based because if you are supported with your leadership um, in making change a reality, if you're supported with thinking outside of the box or taking risks, you're going to be successful in applying theory constraints. But when you lose that that psychological safety of of upper management support, leadership support, it makes it very difficult to change the status quo and to change what we've done for for many years. And, you know, you go to a lot of bases and you say, hey, um, if I ask you to fly additional stories, what do you need? And they're always like, I need more Manning. I need more people. I need more money. I need more resources. Um, but what if I say you can't get any of those things, but I still want you to do it? Theory of constraints can unlock the ability to do that. And hopefully give your airmen a, a better life while doing it. Um, but I think resources is a is a crutch we've leaned on for too long, um, and the the group commanders and the squadron commanders that that say, hey, you know what? There's probably a better way of doing this. Let me try theory of constraints. I think those commanders are going to become more successful uh, than their peers. And I think once they see the the goodness of theory of constraints there's going to be more appetite for for trying to implement it and it's really difficult when people pcs because a lot of that experience a lot of that knowledge goes with them um, but if we continue to train our force and to share that knowledge hopefully when a new person pcs is in they have a base in theory of constraints because they just came from a location that also operated that way and and that's where we really want to get to we want to get to it's just not a, a buzzword or it's not a fancy thing and and we don't even say TOC. This is just aircraft maintenance. This is just, you know, how we do logistics. This is just what we do. This is part of our culture. And that's uh, that's the great end state we want to get to. And that's when sustainment is going to be fixed. But it's going to take a, a while to get there. Um, but I think sharing our success stories, uh, sharing those case studies, uh, developing more resources and playbooks for uh, organizations to learn from and to continue to update those as we learn additional um, information as we go through this process together is going to be uh, paramount to the success of theory constraints. Until we have that cultural change, to your point, until we make that cultural shift, and it becomes the norm, you know, we'll we you know we'll be able to veer a little bit less away from it being personality dependent and a more streamlined approach. So I, I like how, I like how you tied that in. Yeah, I, w- I want to say like one more thing, like my. <clears throat> With my experience, and I, and I, and I sh- you know, told everybody in the beginning, like how I, how I came up, right? I was a, I was a crew chief 
I worked really, really hard for a really, really long time. You know, I was a production person, four years of expedite and pro souping for, you know, a year, year and a half, lead super for three. There's about a decade worth of production experience that I've dealt with, been intimately involved with. And I've been successful throughout the course of my entire career, you know. I wish I would have known theory of constraints at the beginning of my career because I would have been 10 times more effective than I was. And I was successful. Do you see what I'm saying? So people out there that are maybe apprehensive about starting theory of constraints, they're already successful. They're already doing their job well. They're already meeting their mission. What they don't know is how much more they could have done or how much better they could have left things if they just did it a different way that they were unaware of. And and that's the piece that I try to, you know, highlight because, you know, nobody's saying that just because you're not utilizing their constraints, you're doing it wrong. But there is probably a better way that's out there. And be curious. Go, go see if it works for you. And, and that will really, I think, sell the people that are on the fence about going down that theory of constraints journey. I really wish I, I would have known it earlier. And I was, I felt that I was really, really good at my job. I've had a lot of people that worked for me, you know, uh, say that they appreciated it. But if I would have known theory of constraints, I would have made their lives a lot better um, than I did. And, and that's, you know, that's where I'm always like, man, I wish I, I would have gotten this earlier in my career. But, you know, I got it now and I want to spread it as far as I can. Better late than never. Exactly. Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseract.af.mil.